Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name's Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us uh, this morning. Um, I'd like to just begin by asking this question. How many of you like money? Raise your hand, okay? Those of you on the screen, uh, stream, go ahead, do it as well. How many of you like money? Okay, that's pretty much every hand. And uh, me too, uh, I like money. In fact... Uh, when I was growing up as a kid, I didn't just like money. I loved me some money. I mean, I just loved money. And I saved every penny that I got. Whether it was Christmas money or birthday money or lemonade stand money or mowing money, I just saved every single penny that I could get. And I just loved money. Now, I always saw myself as a saver, but my family and my parents often saw me as a miser. And uh, that was kind of my role. Now, my brother and sister were very opposite than me. They were not uh, savers. They were spinners. It was like they had holes in their pocket. And as soon as they got money, they would spend it. And then they would come to me and they would ask, can we borrow some money? And being the compassionate brother that I am, I said, sure, I'll let you borrow some money with interest. And does anyone want to take a guess what my interest rate was? A hundred percent. I mean, I thought that was pretty reasonable myself, you know. And I just would take their money. They were suckers. I mean, they went ahead and they gave into it. And I won big time on them. Every single one of us, regardless of who we are, we have a relationship with this. The almighty dollar. And today, what I want to talk about is something that is a phrase that many of us here in our society, and we have a tendency to attribute it to God or to the Bible. And it says this, money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. Now, how many of you think that phrase is in the Bible? Anybody? Okay, we're, well, it is. It, it actually is In the Bible, okay? Um, Money is the root of all evil. The problem is it's not just that phrase. There's more around it. And that's what I want to talk about today. There is more to the verse than just that phrase. Now, last week we started a brand new series called, um, I Didn't Say That. And basically what we've been talking about is looking at different phrases in our culture that people believe God said and we attribute it to God or we believe it's in the Bible, but it's not. And the reality is we want to learn that uh, so that our faith grows strong rather than being discouraged by things or believing things about God that really aren't in there. And then it affects our faith. Now, this phrase, um, money is the root of all evil, is a very dangerous kind of phrase when you just take it by itself. I mean, if you just take the phrase, 
money is the root of all evil, what you begin to start thinking is that money is bad. Money is wrong. Money is evil. Um, money is something we should avoid. And so we come to kind of a conclusion that says it's better to be poor than rich. It's better to have less than it is to have more. And sometimes Christians will even tell you that if you're really a a good Christian, you'll live a life of poverty. A life of being poor is more spiritual than a life of wealth. Uh, I remember as a PK, a preacher's kid, uh, there were many times that people would come up to me and they would say, uh, they, they would say, Chris, be careful of people who are rich because people who are rich are not as spiritual. Uh, they aren't as close to God. But the truth is, and it's our big idea this morning, and I'm going to invite you to go ahead and fill this in in your program or on the app. And our big idea this morning is that money is not good or bad. Money is God's idea. Money is not necessarily good or bad. Money is simply God's idea. And what makes money evil is what happens in our heart, in our thought process. And it's those things that can turn stuff around. It can make us look at things differently in dangerous ways. For example, how many of you have ever been resentful towards somebody who had more money than you? Now, before you decide too quickly, now, most of you are being honest. Others of you are lying. Um, we've all done that. Every single one of us have been judgmental towards somebody else who's had either a big house or what they wore designer clothes and you wore Walmart specials or they had a really nice car and you don't have such a nice car. When I was uh, little... Uh, I grew up with a buddy of mine all through elementary school and middle school. His name was Johnny Williams, and the thing that connected the two of us uh, the most was that both of our dads were pastors. And uh, our families were connected, and we had a great relationship with each other. And in this role of being connected uh, with one another, one of the things that was very different, though was the cars that our two dads drove. His dad drove a Cadillac that looked like this, and he always had a wad of cash that he would pull out, and we always went out to eat. My dad, on the other hand, drove this car, a Pontiac T-1000, and he had only lint in his pockets... And we made, uh, he made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for us. And I remember thinking, why doesn't that family live more simply like us? Don't they realize that they could take that Cadillac and they could sell it and they could help so many more people and they could drive a Pontiac T-1000 with no air conditioning like we were doing? And my mind and my heart just kind of naturally went that way. And I began to be resentful and to judging them. Has that ever been true of you before? 
Have you ever been resentful towards someone else and what they had? Have you ever been kind of judgmental towards them? Have you ever had that experience before where you looked on social media and someone posts their brand new car or their new house or they're eating this wonderful dinner with their wonderful family and you're eating pork and beans? And then all of a sudden, you feel very resentful towards this person simply because of what they have. Folks, if we misunderstand the way that God thinks about money and possessions, we can easily fall into a trap of resenting the people around us who may have more than us. And we can think we are somehow spiritually superior to them because we'll buy into that phrase, money is the root of all evil. You know, without really understanding what God thinks about money and possessions, people can often go to very extreme positions. And this happens in church world all the time. And I want to talk about just two of those here briefly. There's one type of theology that is called the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel. And basically, what that says is this. This theology basically teaches, if you have enough faith, and you give money to the things of God, then you're going to be rich, you're going to be healthy, your kids are going to get into the best colleges, and nothing bad will ever happen to you. If you just give your money away to the things of God, you're going to be rich. And unfortunately... This is a huge kind of gross distortion of what Scripture really talks about. But people will get to the extreme of that, this whole idea of the prosperity gospel and its dangers. Now, on the other side, there's a theology that is equally as dangerous called the poverty gospel. And basically what this says, this thinking is, if you're rich, you're unrighteous. The only righteous people are our poor, people who give everything away and they have nothing. Those are the people who are truly close to God. And again, that is a very dangerous message because Scripture actually says that God blesses us with our resources. And sometimes he blesses us with health. And sometimes he blesses us with relationships. And sometimes he blesses us financially with our wealth. So, it's not about what you have or what you don't have, but it's about what is in your heart. What is that thing that is underneath, and we'll talk about that today. The condition of the heart, how you manage your money is what is most important. And that's why here at The Jar, we've talked a long, long time about the importance of money management. We actually give classes for it. We try to help because we want people to do their money God's way. And we've often talked about this concept of 10-10-80, that you give the 10%, first 10% to God, you save the next 10, and then you live off the 80. And when you're able to do that, you're able to be generous with what God blesses you with. 
I mean, you need to realize, folks, that money is a valuable resource. It's a, a resource that we're able to bless many other folks. We can bless people who are hungry. We can bless people who are needy. We can bless people who are far from God. We can do a lot with that resource. Now, maybe the most com- uh, complete picture of dealing with this whole idea of money and riches is found in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, the guy who writes this letter is a guy by the name of Paul, and he writes to his mentee, uh, a guy by the name of Timothy. And as he's writing to him, he's talking about how to use resources and what resources can do and how sometimes they can be be, uh, tempting us into other areas that are not healthy. And so he writes this not only to Timothy, but the entire church is large. And he says this, starting verse six, godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world. And we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Now, the fact of the matter is every single person in this place has food and clothing. But I would venture to guess that there are many of you that are not content. You are not content with just those two things. That's why it says godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 9 goes on as Paul says, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And then verse 10, for the, what's the next word? Love. Kind of an important word there. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Not that money is the root of all evil. It says that the love of money is the root of all people. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You see here, Paul is not warning Timothy Against money, he's warning him against the love of money. It's the love of money that he's warning him against. And do you want to know what the love of money is defined as? Greed. The love of money is a greedy person. Now, I know every single one of you would say, I'm not greedy. Because this is the thing about greed. You never see it in the mirror. You never see greed in the mirror. You always see greed with the people who are around you. Not when you're looking at the mirror. And yet Jesus says, don't be too quick to think that you're not greedy. In fact, he gives us this warning. Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So the question is, what is Jesus getting at when he says all kinds of greed? Well, both Jesus and Paul warn people against greed because this is the truth. Greed is 
a trap. Paul says those who want to be rich will actually fall into a temptation. And you don't have to be rich to want to be rich. You ever think about that? You don't have to be rich to want to be rich. You can actually be poor and you want to be rich. Anyone can be consumed with thoughts about money and anyone can be consumed with thoughts about greed. You know, the funny thing is, is that greed, again, is something that we never see in ourselves But we always see it in the people around us. And typically, it's the people we compare ourselves to. And have you ever noticed this before? When you get greedy, you don't compare yourself to someone who makes less money than you do. You always compare yourself to somebody who has more than what you have. Author and pastor Tim Keller, in his book, Counterfeit Gods, Describes greed like this. He says this. Money can be a surface idol that serves to satisfy more fundamental impulses. Some people want lots of money as a way to control their world and life. Such people usually don't spend much money and live very modestly. They keep it safely saved and invested so they can feel comfortably secure in the world. Others want money for access to uh, social circles and to make themselves beautiful and attractive. These people don't spend money on themselves or these people spend money on themselves in lavish ways. Other people want money because it gives them so much power over others. In every case, money functions as an idol, and yet because of various deep idols, it results in very deep, different patterns of behavior. Now, in this quote, what uh, basically Tim Keller is saying is that money is the tip of the iceberg But the real issue is not what's on the tip of the iceberg, but it's what's underneath. It is what you can't see. The idol is what you don't see. The idol is underneath the surface. The idol is under the water. That's why I don't think it's any coincidence that when Paul says it is for the love of money, that is the, what's the next word? Root of all evil. It's underneath. It's that thing underneath that you can't see. And greed is that piece. It's underneath. It's in our heart. We don't discuss it. For example, uh, someone who saves every single penny and never spends any money on themselves because they want to be secure and they want to be protected and they want to have control of their finances might not be any less selfish than the person who spends it carelessly on themselves to look attractive. As I shared earlier, um, I, growing up as a kid, was always considered a miser because I saved everything because I wanted to have control over my finances and the money that I had. And when I got married... You would have thought that would have changed, but it didn't happen. I continued to hold tightly to it, which under the surface was just 
an attitude of greed. In the first uh, year of our marriage, uh, Jennifer lived here in Muncie and was going to medical school. And I lived uh, in western Indiana pastoring two small churches. We only made $16,000 together. We were paying for two different apartments and our resources were extremely limited. Uh, we didn't have much at all as an extra cash. And it was really tough. And it was tough on Jen for that first year because she felt very isolated living here in Muncie all by herself. And she kind of got depressed and didn't have very many friends. And we actually bought a couple guinea pigs. But uh, you can only look at guinea pigs for so long until you need other people. And it was just a really tough time. And December came and she was getting ready for finals and she got a phone call. Now, what I need you to remember is that in 1994, we didn't have cell phones and there was no caller ID. You actually had a phone attached to the wall. Now, some of you are like, are you kidding me? No, we really did. We had these phones that were attached to the wall. And the marketing strategy was people would call you to try to get you to buy things. And so Jennifer's feeling kind of discouraged and down, and she gets this phone call, and on the other end, the person says this, You have won a free trip to the Bahamas! It's all-inclusive! Airfare, lodging, all of your fun activities, all we need is a deposit of $400, and if you give that to us, pretty soon you'll be soaking in the sun. And Jen's like, Absolutely! And so she gives her credit card number and she's like, this is going to please my husband so much. He is going to be so excited because I know he wanted, he likes to travel. And so we're going to do this. And so we'd only been married four months. And she's like, I'm going to make my husband so happy by doing this. And so she called on the phone. And when I heard what she had done, I had no response. So I just hung up. Now, this was before cell phones. You couldn't, like, you know, bomb somebody with, uh, you couldn't blow up their phone. And so I start driving home. And as I start driving home, I start thinking to myself, who did I marry? I mean, like, who is this woman? I mean, how could she be so unreasonable? I mean, she has no brains when it comes to money. And folks, I had only been married for four months and I'm judging my wife ruthlessly. And when I got here to Muncie, I walked in the door and I lit her up and I put her down and we canceled that trip. And I've never let her forget about that stupid decision. And we've never been to the Bahamas. But looking back on that experience now, one of the things I realize is that I had the bigger issue and not Jen. My own love for money, that I loved money, my desire to have security and control of our finances created huge issues because underneath was a spirit of greed. What was underlying everything on that particular day 
is I was resentful towards her. Now, two years ago, we celebrated 25 years of marriage. And so I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to take her to the Bahamas. Like, this is going to be awesome. And so I start planning for it. And I finally go, hey, babe. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, I was thinking about it. And we should do a trip. And let's go to the Bahamas. And you know what she told me? She goes, you're not getting off that trip. We're going to Hawaii. (laughs) And uh, here's a picture of my beautiful bride and that old man who's uh, kind of right beside her. Folks, what I'm trying to say this morning is this. You can... Be rich and not be greedy. You can be poor and you can be very greedy. You can be poor and be greedy. You can be poor and be frugal. You can be rich and you can be frugal. Because the issue isn't about the amount of money that you have. The issue is about your heart. What is it that is connected to your heart? You know, the only way that we can ever break through from the trap of being greedy is not by changing our view of money. It's not by doing different spending patterns, but it is truly by examining our heart. You know, If you want to be transformed in this area of your life, you've got to learn that everything comes from God. Everything that you have are gifts from God. And you are simply a manager for what you have during this time. And what happens so often is it's not the money, but it's what's underneath the surface. It's what's underneath the iceberg. It is the root That creates greed in our lives and we create idols that keep us from utilizing the resource in the best way. And sometimes those idols are things like security and acceptance and control. Sometimes we can create an idol out of our work and we can work so much because we're doing it for the family and we're doing all of this stuff to gain more resources Sometimes it can be a relationship and we'll spend all kinds of money on another person because we want acceptance. Sometimes the idol is simply the possessions that we have, our house, our car, our 401k. And the only way to break free from this is to understand that God is our ultimate hope and he is our ultimate love. Folks, when we understand, when you understand, when I understand that everything that we have is simply gifts from God's hand. He freely gave it to us. He can freely take it away. Then we don't hold it so tightly. Then and only then can we make him the ultimate priority rather than the stuff that we have. Only then will money cease to actually control us. Only then will we not see money as our ultimate hope and our ultimate value, but we'll see it from God. You know, our phrase this morning was money is the root of all evil. But God's kind of like, I didn't say that. 
That was not what I said. You've got the wrong saying. It's not the, that money is the root of all evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. You see, money is not good or bad. Money is God's idea. And He simply gives it to us so that we can use that resource to love and care for others. But if we take our money and we make it our God, then what happens is that we begin to love this more than the one who gave us this. And we begin the process to love this more than the one who gave us this. This is what happens to people's hearts. They get closed. And you don't want to go through life with a closed hand. You want to have an open hand. Freely to be able to give. Because this is not the root of all evil. It's when we love this more than the one who gave us Loving God, thank you so much for every single blessing that you've given to us. Each of us in this place have so much more than we ever deserve. You're a holy God, we are not. And yet you freely give to us. And so God, would you forgive us for the times that we thought our money cared for us more than you. Help each of us to look in the mirror and to actually see greed in the mirror rather than just the people that are around us. Help us to remember that money is not good or bad, but it's simply your idea. But the love of money, God, the love for possessions and stuff, that, that in itself, truly is the root of all evil. God, help us to go through our lives, not with closed fists, but with open hands when it comes to being generous and giving to others. God, help us to know how to love you more than the resources that you provide for us. Now, for some of you, this might be the first time that you have ever connected on the stream or you're here for the first time uh, in the auditorium and the reality is is that you're like you know what I've had a closed fist towards God I've just had this closeness to him that I didn't want him to be a part of what was going on in my world I just kind of did my own thing I tried to live a life that would satisfy me, but I come to the end of my rope and the reality is I'm not satisfied. And I'm telling you, there is only one and one only who can satisfy every single one of your needs. And that is the one who knows you best and loves you most. And that's Jesus Christ himself. And so today, if you're ready to give your life to him, if you're like, I need his love, I need his forgiveness, I need a fresh start. I don't want to go through life having a closed hand, a tight fist. I want to be open 
to how God might use me, then I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's a prayer that we pray in unity together, believing that all of us are God's children who He's called to be able to connect in a deeper relationship with Him. So today, if it's your first day to say this prayer, or you've said it many times before, you don't say it alone. We say it together in community. And so I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name.